Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. We've been going through the Gospel of Matthew verse by verse, and we are in chapter 10, verse 34 to verse 42. We're going to close out chapter 10 tonight. Yeah, yeah. Finally, somebody said. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Uh, We live in a world of hurry. We live in a world of hurry. Everyone is hurrying, hurrying hurrying. And I just feel like we need a space and place to slow down and what better place to do that than the words of Jesus. Amen. Amen? I really believe that, you know. I really believe that. And so Matthew chapter 10, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Hope you brought a Bible. Hope you brought a notebook. If you're watching online, do the same. All right. I'm reading out of the ESV translation. It should be up on the screen for you to see as well if you didn't bring your Bible tonight. Jesus says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemy will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Three times there Jesus saying, you're not worthy of me if you do or don't do these things. Whoever finds his life, verse 39, will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Verse 40, whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he's a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is my disciple. Truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. The title of tonight's teaching is not peace, but a sword. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. God, for the privilege, the honor to to gather around your word. And we thank you, God, that we get to do it in in a country that, that, that we are not Lord, in threat of our lives as we open up your Bible, as we, as we gather together, we thank you for the freedom that we have. Help us to cherish your word tonight. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us understanding in ways only you can. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be our teacher. And God, I just come against even, even disbelief, doubt, and, and any works of the enemy God, within our minds, even as we talked about last week, allow us to be learners, Lord, of Jesus, from Jesus, to be like him. Help us to put aside any biases and any presupposed ideas and 
and worldviews help us to listen and hear clearly. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. And we ask, Lord, that as we hear from you, that you would mold us, that you would shape us. God, that we would see the fruit of tonight in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. All right, so this is a fun text, huh? This was, this was a great night to bring a friend. <laughs> as soon as I started reading the text, you're like, oh my goodness, I, I, sent, I, just, I just sent the link to somebody and I brought someone here, but listen, tonight will be good. Again, we do this. This is my favorite way of reading the Bible. This is my favorite way of studying the Bible. And uh, it's, it's, it's gotten to be my favorite way to teach the Bible. Just go through it verse by verse. Let God's word be God's word. Amen. Yeah. Amen? All right, so we go through it verse by verse. Let's see what we can pick up on here. Um, I, I think I want to go through the scripture, and then we'll go through it, and we'll, we'll pick it apart just, just a little bit, and then we'll come back and... Um, and, and dig, out, dig out some treasures that Jesus mentions here. How's that sound? Okay. So Jesus, right off the bat, says, do not think that I have come. This is the second time Jesus, is, Jesus has I have come statements. The first time he's made that in the, the Gospel of Matthew, he's, he's made it in regards to the law and the prophets. He says, he says don't think I've come. To abolish the law and prophets, I have come to fulfill them. So that's important because there are understandings. Remember last week we talked about expectations. And sometimes how our expectations of the the Christian life and what we are going to experience is not consistent with words of Jesus, with what he said you're going to experience. And so during this time, there were expectations of the Messiah. There were expectations of Jesus' role, Jesus' work, Jesus' ministry. And so Jesus at times had to clarify, don't think I have come for this. Right? Don't, Don't think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've come to fulfill them. All of them point to me. I'm the fulfillment. And so here, Jesus says, do not think that I have come to bring peace. Don't think I've come to bring, to bring peace to the earth. Don't think I've come to bring peace to the earth. Where's Jesus from? Heaven. So, so Jesus has come from another world, Right? And so remember, we talk about the kingdom. The kingdom is, is, is another world. When we become people of the kingdom, we've, we've said, though naturally we're living out in this, in this earth and in this world spiritually, we have just become citizens of another world. So Jesus comes from another world. He comes to earth and he says, I have not come to bring peace to the earth. Now, how many know this would have been shocking to hear? 2,000 years later, it's still shocking to hear. What do you mean, Jesus, you have not come to bring peace? Jesus is, is in some ways the, the, the poster boy of peace. Right? He, uh, is, isn't, that, isn't that what we sing around Christmas time? Isn't that what the angels declared? 
Peace on earth. Peace on earth. Doesn't, doesn't Jesus, we, we went through this when we went through the Beatitudes, doesn't Jesus say something to the effect of blessed are the peacemakers? And here Jesus says, don't think I have come to bring peace. I've not come to bring peace, but sword. A sword. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. So right away, because we know the context of Jesus' teaching, we know scriptures that mention Jesus' tie with peace. I've mentioned the beatitude already. Blessed are the peacemakers, the angel, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those whom with God is pleased. Zechariah prophesied in Luke chapter 1 that Jesus would give light to those who sit in the darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Paul said Jesus himself is our peace. And of course, the fruit of the Spirit is, is, is love, joy, peace. So then what is this peace that Jesus is referring to? Because clearly the general consensus of Scripture is that peace and God are linked. Peace and Jesus are linked. So that's question number one. What does Jesus mean when he says, I have not come to bring peace? Because we see peace so closely knit to him. Question number two is Jesus says, I have come to bring a sword. A sword. Now, is this sword physical? Has Jesus come to bring a physical sword? No, no. And, and do we not see evidence even of that? Peter cuts off a soldier's ear. Jesus heals it back up. Jesus says to Peter, those who live by the sword die by the sword. And so when Jesus says sword, I've come to bring a sword, is he talking about a physical a physical sword. Now, in that day and age, going back to expectations, Jewish expectations for a Messiah was that he would be a militant leader. So, so when, when his disciples hear he's not come to bring peace, he's come to bring a sword, that as, as, as much of a shock as they were in, they, they, could, they could tie it back to their understanding and expectation of the Messiah because they understood him to be one of, 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 of militant authority, that he would come and overthrow Rome and that Israel would be free again. Of course, this is why we had a whole movement of individuals who were the zealots waiting for the militant Messiah who would bring a sword and overthrow Rome, and free Israel once again. What kind of sword is this? So that's question number two. What, what does Jesus mean? What kind of sword is Jesus bringing? He says, for I have come to set a man against his father, so now we begin to see some, some details relationally of what Jesus could possibly mean. He says, 
I've come to set a man against his, his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The last one, Jesus probably didn't need to do because that probably exists, exists already. Like that. Jesus, we don't need you for that last one because, hello, right? Someone said, yeah, <laughs> like that. That's my experience. So, so what, is, what, is Jesus, what is Jesus talking about here? I have come to set a man against father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So we have this introduction of conflict, hint to the sword. What kind of sword is Jesus bringing? A sword that's going to cause conflict. Okay, that's a, that's a hint to, to, to answering question number two, which is what kind of sword? So he's going to introduce conflict, 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 conflict. Now, before we continue, I do want to highlight one thing. Who is in charge of this conflict? Jesus. You guys are brilliant. You guys are smart. For I have come. So what he's not saying, someone say not saying. Here's what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying, go and create conflict. That's not the interpretation, right? He's, he's not, because sometimes we, we love that. Remember we talked about this when Jesus said, you will be hated for my name's sake. We, we remove the my name's sake part and we, we just treat ourselves to be hated because of our personalities and we mistreat people and we go, well, I'm being persecuted for Jesus' name's sake. No, he has nothing to do with it. Hello? And so he, and so he says, I have come, meaning I'm, I'm not calling you as my followers to now go and create conflict. Like, like you're not supposed to go home from Bible study and, and, and see a family member and uh, they go, How, you know, how's your day? Well, what do you want to know about it? Huh? What's your problem? Like, like that's not, that's not, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, at least I was at church. Where were you? No, that's not, that's not what Jesus is telling you to do. He's not saying you go create conflict. He says, he says, I have come to bring the sword. I have come to set man against father. So we have these father or, or family uh, relationships. Then he says, he says, a person's enemy will be those of his own household. So what Jesus is saying is, is what I'm going to introduce, what I'm going to begin to do, there's, there's going to be a shift. And as conflict arises, those who are closest to you will become your enemies. You're going to feel this. Right? You're going to feel this, this tension, this, this conflict, like, like, like you're going up, you know, up, upstream or, or against the stream. You're, you're, you're going to feel this, Jesus is saying, even within your own household. And then he says, whoever loves father, mother, more than me is not worthy of me. So let's go back. 
Jesus says, I've, I've not come to bring peace to the earth. I've come to bring a sword. Okay, you're gonna bring a sword. What kind of sword? Uh, uh, we, we know you're a person of peace, Jesus. So what does this mean? Okay, um, so, so a man against his father, daughter against mother, daughter-in-law against uh, a mother-in-law. So, so clearly there's this, this idea of, of conflict, Jesus, that, that you're going to bring. Maybe that's the sword. And, and you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna begin to do things in, in our lives that, that's gonna cause division and, and even people to hate us who, who used to be close to us. Well, the question is, how is all of that going to happen? How? Right? Like, like we don't just naturally go around making enemies. Hey, you want to be my enemy? Sweet. All right. Let's do this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you begin to insult me. I begin to insult you. We're enemies. Here's, like, no, we don't do that. So the question is, how? What is at the, the uh, beneath all of what is going on that's going to cause this. And here Jesus gives us a hint. Whoever loves. Whoever loves. Here is what Jesus just said. Why is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? What's the issue? What's at the root of this thing? It's love and allegiance. It's, that's what's going to be the sword. Your, your love and allegiance. That's what's going to create conflict. Your love and allegiance. Now hold on. Since since when, since when does, does love create conflict? Hello, right? Like, like think about it. You, like, when you, when you see, when you see, um, you know, uh, when you watch when you watch movies and, and, and there's there's dysfunction within within families or or, or, or relationships, uh, what what you're waiting for as the story unravels, as the story continues, is is for love to be reintroduced, and hopefully by the end, as love is reintroduced, conflict is resolved. Hello, right? Like, does anyone watch movies anymore? Um, right? Okay, thank you. I was about to feel so carnal up here. Uh, Love. Whoever loves father or mother, what, what, follows, what follows that? I think, I think there's another hint. More than me. More than me. So, so what's, what's the issue? Is the issue that, that you and I as followers of Jesus are loving people? No, I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue is Jesus comes from another world into ours as a king. And what he demands is not just love, affection, and allegiance. No, no. He demands love, affection, and allegiance that is supreme. It is above 
all other love, affection, and allegiance. That is problematic. Because here's what the world tells you. That you can love everything and anything and everyone can share your love and affection. That, that, that all religions are the same and, and, and everything is okay and, and you can live this lifestyle and that lifestyle. Who cares about different levels of allegiance and love? Let's just live like everything's okay. And along comes the king of the universe. And says, I am worthy of greater love and affection. So why is this problematic, Pastor Mo? Why is this a sword? Why is this not going to bring peace? Why is this going to create conflict? Why is this going to create enemies? Because... Jesus comes and he wages war against all other affections you have. That's what he does. So, so when scripture calls God a man of war, let me tell you the first place war takes place in your soul. For your heart is the territory that Jesus is interested in conquering. And so when he comes and says, I'm worthy of greater affection, greater allegiance, that sounds cute until you realize that wages war on everything else. You see that? Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. This word worthy means deserving. We're, we're going to come back. We're going to come back to this. Here's what happens. Here's what happens the moment you begin to follow Jesus. The, the war against your affections and, and, and allegiance. The war between what you now believe versus what the closest people in your life believe. Right? And so here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, listen. Your earthly relationships demand love, demand affection. In order for you to even steward them well, you, you need to love relationally. Here's what Jesus is not saying. All right? Let's, so I'm going to say not saying. We need to clarify because I don't want you leaving here thinking here's, here's what got preached. Jesus is not saying, hate your father, hate your mother, hate your son, hate your daughter. You see that? So, so this, this word is incredibly, incredibly important to this whole text. And the word is more. The word is more. 
signifying supremacy, signifying greater than. So, so love your father, love your mother, love your son, love your daughter, love your spouse, right? Don't go home and mistreat them because you go, Jesus said this. That's not gonna fly, right? And I'm not gonna back you up, so don't use my name to go, here's what Pastor Mo preached. No, no, he, he's saying more than me, greater allegiance. You know one of the greatest things you can do for your earthly relationships, for your spouse, for your kids, is that you would love Jesus more than them. You want to you steward your earthly relationships better? Love Jesus more than them. Let, let that be the overwhelming supreme allegiance and affection in your life. And so the issue will be of love, it'll be of affection, it'll be of allegiance. Who has it supremely in my life? And whoever does not take his cross and follow me, there it is, is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, my sake. So this doesn't, just, this doesn't mean you go and live life Poorly managing your finances, not seeking job opportunities or career opportunities, not getting an education, not being a good husband, not being a good spouse, not being a good father, mother, or, or son or daughter. That's not what he's saying, right? Because at the end of the day, like, if, if that's where you are at and if that's what causes destruction in your life, it's not that Jesus caused it. It's not for his sake. It's that you didn't steward your life. You, you mismanaged the talents God gave you. So, so again, that's not what Jesus is saying. Right? Isn't clarification so good? Clarification is an incredible, incredible gift. So he says, whoever does not, whoever does not take up his, his, his cross. So, so here he says, and follow me. So, so now watch this. This was about love and affection. Now here, this is about authority. At the end of the day, who are you going to follow? You're going to pick up your bags, follow your parents, follow their dreams, your grandparents, right? You're going to pick up your bags, follow the dreams of your children, make, make them your God, or you're going to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. So here's what Jesus says. He says, he says, I am a king. And I don't just demand supreme allegiance and affection. I demand to be seen as the supreme authority in your life. That, that he gets to tell you where to go, what to do. That, that we don't always, we don't, that we don't only see Jesus as the supreme affection in our lives. We see him as the supreme authority. He says, he says, whoever, whoever finds his life will lose it. 
Whoever loses his life for, for my sake will find it. Whoever finds his life will, will lose it. Our, our culture, our world is so in love and addicted to this idea of finding yourself. Whoever finds his life, that's, you, go on, you go on social media, you're indoctrinated with this idea that you won't be happy, fulfilled, and satisfied until you take some backpacking trip and go to, through Thailand and find yourself. What? Ladies and gentlemen, you do not need to go halfway across the world to find yourself. You don't need to find yourself. You don't. When the Bible says that you and I are lost, what the Bible is saying is that we're not lacking proximity between us and us. We're lacking proximity between us and God. So, so this idea, which is nonsense, go find yourself, and you'll be happy, you'll be fulfilled. Find yourself. I'm right here. I'm right here. I know all there is to know about me. All there is worth knowing about me. And here it is. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was dead in my trespasses, but now I'm alive in Christ Jesus. That, that's all there is that is worthy, that is worth knowing about myself. Not, not, we're not here trying to become one with the universe, trying to, trying to find ourselves. So, so Jesus says, if you, if you do that, at the end, you're going to lose it. Because you're not capable of being in charge. You're not capable of steering yourself all the way to eternity. So, so if you play this game, find yourself, you're going to lose your life in the end. But, Jesus says here, here's the upside down kingdom of God, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We'll find it. We'll find it. We'll find it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will, will find it. If, if you can see me as the supreme affection in your life. The one who has supreme authority over your life, you will realize that whatever you lost in your pursuit of me was worth losing. Right now, there's, there's even this idea of 
of, of people bombarding you and, and movies do this and, and this has been happening for, 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 for ages, long before even I was, I was alive where, where we have been told here's what life needs to look like, here's what, here's, here's what you need to, here's where you need to be at at this age and, and, and if you're single, why aren't you married and if you're married, why don't you have kids and if you have kids, well, well why aren't they married and, and right? And, and we let the world tell us what is triumph and what is tragedy. And so the world looks at you and according to their curriculum, you have not experienced triumph. You've only experienced tragedy. When will you live, the world says. Live a little. Live a little. Why are you working so hard? Go on spring break. Retire early. Go to Florida. Enjoy the sun. Live a little. Find yourself. Tragedy or or triumph. Triumph or, or tragedy. I heard a story of this preacher a couple decades ago was, was sharing a story of, um, of two missionaries from his church who, who had devoted their life to, to overseas missions. Other country, new language, new tribe, new people, just totally given themselves to it. Preaching the gospel, saving souls, focused on eternity, die in their late 30s. And a question was proposed. Is this tragic? Before people could answer, he he pulled out a, a pamphlet to, to a retirement home in Florida. He began to read the beautiful description, the, the captivating description that wants you to leave everything you have here and just take a plane to Florida, retire even now. Spend the rest of your days collecting seashells on the beach. That, from the world's perspective, is triumph. And the problem is, church, we're, we're getting sucked in to, to believing that that is triumph. The real tragedy is that you go spend the rest of your days collecting seashells. That's the real tragedy. That's what the preacher was trying to get to. And the real triumph were these two young women who gave themselves to the sake and name of Christ. And though they lost their life, they found it. 
That's triumph. That's not tragedy. Jesus says, whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives him. Who's the him? It's the Father, right? Jesus says, no one comes to me, or no one comes to the Father except through me. So whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives the Father. No one who receives a prophet or the one who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. The one who receives a righteous person because he's a righteous person will receive a righteous person's re reward. So there's this idea of rewards that if they receive the message, they receive the same reward of the messenger. That's beautiful. So, so when you receive the message of the gospel, of Jesus, of forgiveness, you received the reward. Jesus says, whoever gives one of these little ones, this, this idea of, of little ones is, is, is a, a lowly person. Even a cup of cold water because he is a, a disciple. So he's, he's my follower, but, but he's a lowly person. So this could be an individual who, who lived in poverty, who doesn't have the best sort of circumstances, who, who is persecuted. And so they're lowly if they ask for a cup of water and you give it to him or her because he's my disciple. Truly I say to you, by no means will you lose your reward. Now, let's get to the meat of text I said we'll circle back and I have three minutes to do that Jesus says I have come to bring a sword so, so this idea, we, we understand, we've already read scriptures, this, this idea is, is not, this idea of peace is not between man and God. That's, that's not what this is. Because Jesus has come to bring peace between man and God. So it's not what this is. So, so if it's not this, then it's man against man. And what we said that, that beneath this, at the depth of this, is not just man against man, but it's affection and allegiance against affection and allegiance. Right? So, 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 so Paul says we, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. So, so, so there's, there's something, says something deeper so, so the peace that he's not come to bring is this. He's come to bring a sword. Now, there's a prophecy that's given over to Mary when Jesus is born. I want to read it to you, and I want you to listen to this. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Jesus' mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the falling and rising of many, and for a sign that is opposed, and here's the prophecy, and a sword will pierce through your own soul so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So there's this, 
There's this connection between sword and soul. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul. Sword and soul. So what's this sword, Jesus? Jesus has come to bring a sword to your soul. Because that is where your affections stem from. The moment you said yes to following Jesus, you experienced Jesus bringing a sword. You didn't realize that what it was, that's what it was called, but even now, as I, as I tell you that, and you look back, you see Jesus bring a sword to your soul. Those convictions you felt, the tensions of, of this way or that way, this voice, that voice, Jesus brought a sword to your soul. To your soul, to your soul, to your soul, because he's come to put himself above any other affections. And the way he does this is he cuts like a sword in our soul. And so he says this is going to happen. Last week he said, he, he talked about how, how this, this sword is going to be brought out publicly and the world is going to hate you. So, so there's this aspect of discipleship where, where what you confess to believe is tested publicly. And this week, today, what we're reading is this other aspect of discipleship where what you love, what you love is not tested publicly. It's tested privately within your home. If I wanted to know what you loved, I would live with you for a week. You, you don't need to say a word to me. Just let me enter your home. Let me see what you do when no one's watching. Is your relationship with Jesus a byproduct of what he has done for you? Or are you just supplementing it with a worship song here, a verse of the day here, an encouraging thought here, this sermon you had in 1993? We'll find all of that out. Because confession, what you say is tested publicly. Allegiance, what you love is tested privately to belong to Jesus means to let Jesus take his sword to your soul and begin to cut affections and allegiances you have made that are not as supreme as him and so then he says something which is incredibly powerful. He says, whoever can't do that is not worthy of me. Deserving 
of me. Now here's what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying you earn me. Okay? Let me, let me read a couple of scriptures so that you see. Philippians 1, 27, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Colossians 1.10, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, walk in a manner worthy of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1.11, may God make you worthy of his calling. Acts 26.20, repent and turn to God, performing deeds worthy of Repentance. Matthew 3, verse 8, John the Baptist saying, bear fruit that is worthy of repentance. So what is Jesus saying here? That if you're, if you're not able to live like this, you're not worthy of me. You're not my disciple. That's what Jesus just said. If you do not have affection for me that is supreme, allegiance to me that is supreme, see me as the supreme authority, you're not my disciple, you're not worthy of me. That's what Jesus is saying. Now on the flip side, how do you become worthy of Jesus? You see him. As worthy. You see him as worthy. You become worthy of Jesus when you see his worth. And until you see his worth, you have not become his disciple. He is not the supreme affection, allegiance, and authority in your life. But once you see his worth, then the greatest adventure begins. Then the greatest love story begins to unfold. Creation finally in the hands of his creator. Creation back in unity with its creator. So, so do you see his worth? And when you see his worth, he sees you as worthy of following pray to that end. Father, we ask that you would allow us to see your worth. That we would see you as a treasure. For the kingdom of God is like a man who found a treasure in a field. 
and in all his joy sold all that he had to possess that land. Give us the joy that comes, God, from seeing you as worthy. Let you be the supreme affection in our lives. I pray for any heart in this room or, or watching online or listening to this later who, who is wrestling with allegiance. And I ask, Father, that you, by the Holy Spirit, would bring your sword to their soul. That by seeing your worth, you would make it easy for them to choose their allegiance. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.